Welcome to Hospitality Forward, a podcast where hospitality and travel professionals learn how to earn the media spotlight. I am Hana Lee, president of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City. And I'm Michael Ann Stendig. I'm a freelance writer who covers food and beverage. I'm also editor-in-chief at Hana Lee Communications. Our podcast is our agency's way of supporting our beloved hospitality and travel community to help it rebuild and rebound. Each week, we interview top journalists who share their insights and tips on how to get featured in their stories. In this episode, we chat with Rachel King of Fortune Magazine. Rachel is an editor at the magazine, overseeing coverage primarily related to travel, luxury, and books. She also reports on the food and drinks industries for Fortune. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So you've covered business, finance, technology over the years and became the books and lifestyle editor at Fortune. And since then, we've seen so many articles by you. So could you tell our listeners what specific topics you normally cover? I, yeah, it changes all the time, but I, and especially given the current economic climate, but for a long time, I was covering technology, like consumer technology and gadgets and also enterprise technologies, such as data centers and cloud technology. But in the last few years, I've shifted over more towards books, whether it be nonfiction, biographies and memoirs and um, business books of that nature. Uh, hospitality industries, including um, hotels and travel-related topics, but also uh, the wine and spirits industries. All the good things in life. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> How has the COVID-19 situation changed the kinds of stories you're covering? Do you feel like you could continue to cover the same things you did previously? And what kind of angles are you looking for now? Yeah, unfortunately, um, a lot of the things we were covering in March just had to be dropped by the wayside because they don't even apply anymore in terms of like hotels openings and uh, restaurants and tours in different countries you can visit. <laughs> and some of those things still haven't changed at all. And they probably uh, won't change, especially for Americans for at least another several months to a year. We've been able to cover um, from the in different industry from different angles though. So there's been a surge in certain types of uh, wines, um, liquor delivery has seen a huge uptick in the last few months, um, seeing how restaurants are responding to the Paycheck Protection Program, how small businesses are trying to take care of their employees and what, they can, what they're trying to do when they can't take care of them either. So with your crystal ball, uh, what are some of the topics you plan to be covering or assigning for the remainder of the year? I think whatever's going on with restaurants is going to just kind of continue to change day by day, which is really frustrating. Not just obviously for the business owners and the people who work there, but I, I can't even imagine how tough that must be. Um, staying on top of what's going on in the travel situation in terms of airlines, if they're like letting up on um, change fees and cancellation fees right now, it's, it's really easy to book a ticket and a it's cheap to book a ticket to a lot of places without uh, many penalties, but that's not going to last forever. So, so Hannah mentioned how prolific you've been from like wellness to hospitality to I mean, you, you cover so you many really different cover topics. A lot of things. So, how do you come up with such a steady stream of fresh new ideas? Thank you. Um, I 
I'm again, I'm lucky that I get to have th- those opportunities to work on those kind of stories because I, I really do enjoy them. But the way we get ideas for stories, there's no one way. There's changes all the time too, whether it be something based on something I've read elsewhere or seen on TV or people I've talked with on the street. Um, a lot of times it's just working with my colleagues. Like they've noticed a trend and, but they don't have like, we'll share ideas like on different desks, whether it be finance or tech or politics or lifestyle and like trying to hash out trends that way. So you're working with other reporters, other editors on staff. And uh, then of course, you know, working with um, PR sources, I do get hundreds, if not sometimes thousands of emails a day. So I try to, um, oh my goodness, I know it's, it's a lot. I try to prioritize, especially based on who I've worked with in the past. And also just a lot of the emails I'll get won't actually be relevant to my beat. So I try to filter it that way. But then also the people I've worked with previously who know me and know what I cover. So, and that's also a good starting point. Okay. Good to know. So speaking of stories, so in early May, you launched the Startup Year One special series at Fortune. So we found that so very interesting because as an entrepreneur myself, you know, I always enjoy the stories, how people come up with ideas and hustle and struggling, but still make it work. So how did that come about? That was based on um, a story we started with the Great Jones Bookware Startup. And it was they had been celebrating their first year anniversary in January. So we decided to do a Q&A with them about just what like the first year in business has been rather than doing it about the product. Mm-hmm. And I found it's been a really great way to learn about those hurdles that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Also that people forget about like, we're trying to interview entrepreneurs and startup founders within their first year of business. So if we interview them about their first year of business five years from now, hindsight changes a lot of things. And so their memories might not be as fresh or as accurate, let alone their lessons they have learned might have been, they might look at through a different lens than they do in the immediate Mm -hmm. aftermath. I mean, personally, as a coffee fanatic, I really enjoyed the article on Black and Bold. Very, very cool story. They're so cool people. Very inspiring. And, you know, as you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs in our hotel and travel community. So this could be a great platform for them. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do our listeners need to do to get featured? Or get your attention. Um, Oh, that's a good good question. (laughs) Um, It kind of goes back, though, to what I was saying about it who I've heard things from different sources in terms of what I'm reading. Um, social media plays a huge role. So when I do gift guides, I go to a lot of bloggers who have more expertise in that same particular field, whether it be travel or beauty or skincare of that nature, mm-hmm. or just sometimes asking people I trust around me. Of course, that can be a little bit of, I wouldn't say problematic, but it's, you don't want to get too honed in by like the bubble you live in because that can cloud. Like You might not branch out to find sources that are really different from you. That makes sense. Um, as a book warms ourselves, I mean, we love books. And in April, actually, I saw, actually, I read your um, article on Marie Kondo's Joy of Work. And of course, I had to order it. And my God, it has been life-changing experience. And this book not only helped me not only, you know, eliminate like a physical clutter at our office and home, but also mental distraction. So thank you for the feature. And like, I have to say, Marie is our hero. She's, <laughs> She's amazing. 
she came to our offices in um, November uh, with a with a whole team. She had an entourage. Oh, really? Um, yeah, Marie, of course, her, also her translator, as well as a number of assistants and um, her PR representative. And it was introduced their new uh, her new KonMari line of accessories and home goods. Wow. It's amazing how she started like a little consulting here and there. And then she just became an author with like a million copies sold in the world. Very impressive. So Rachel, my question is then, how do you choose the books that you write about? That's also a good question. I'm willing to read almost anything in terms of my own literary preferences. Like there's nothing I won't read. Mm. As far as reviewing books for fortune where we try to broaden out just beyond just the business books that we get sent like oh top 10 ways to improve your business or start a startup or i find those don't actually resonate with readers as much as say um a memoir or a book that is more has more of a concrete idea or agenda not agenda but like an ethos to get like they have an argument to make mm-hmm. so something like um joy at work or um, there was a book last year about the joy of missing out. I can't remember the title of the book now, but it was basically the opposite. Instead of missing out, it was the joy of staying in, which coming out before the pandemic, that would seem like more fun than it is now. Yeah. But so things that um, I think would appeal to a broader audience but still um, reflect a business-minded mentality are often works best. But uh, we then we, we have a... Also trying to expand more to fiction, whether smart fictions, things you'd like to bring, say, like on an airplane. Mm, okay, that's good to know. So as you know, in our community, a lot of chefs and bartenders and sommeliers and hoteliers, you know, they have written books. And also some of them are writing books in coming months and years. So how can they get your attention? Should they send you books or like send you an email and become one of the thousand emails that you get every day? I would say definitely don't send the book, actually, because I prefer to get everything digital at this point. Mm-hmm. Now that everybody has to work from home, I, like many other journalists, live in very small spaces. So I don't have a lot of storage space at home to keep all these galleys. And I don't have anywhere to put them except to recycle them, which would be a real shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer much more, really, the best way is an email still. Mm-hmm. And I will get back to the publisher and say, please send me a digital galley or more information about this. Uh, and those are the times I'll request a hardcover copy, if depending on if like digital galley is not available or if there's something particularly significant with the book jacket. But I would say actually don't send the hard copy. It's just, it feels so wasteful these days. Mm. And also between the amount of packaging sent, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a huge box, like a little, I don't know, styrofoam, peanuts. And there's one book inside. Oh, and yeah. it was so irresponsible, even before the pandemic, just in terms of climate change yeah. and economic resources. Yeah, it's not sustainable having those type of boxes after boxes. Agreed. Go digital, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So question, you're, you're not only writing, but you're editing and assigning stories to freelancers. How do you go about greenlighting their stories? What makes a story a good fit for fortune? So it needs to be really thought out and well-rounded. Sources should be cited. I... I'm not a big fan of when people send pitches and it's just like a couple lines and I don't want to have to follow up. It should be, you know, have a concrete idea of like what you, the topic is and how you plan to address it, what questions you plan to answer yourself and also who you're going to speak with and just be really specific as possible. 
But then you say you get like a hundred emails or a thousand emails sometime. So is there any like a top two or three do's and don'ts when people pitch you with their stories? Yeah, definitely. Uh, in terms of do nots, um, I would say don't like you don't. There's no need to cite things that I've tweeted or written about before. Not as often it comes off mm-hmm. as a bit as pandering, and. I, I find a lot of journalists will agree with me on this because um, sometimes we talk about it. But otherwise, I would say um, the best pitches are really just the ones that are more straightforward. Couple graphs tops, not like 800 words. Just straight to the point. It doesn't have to be cutesy or anything. Be like, are you interested in this further? And sometimes I will not be able to get back to the first email. So I'd say a second follow-up email is fine. But I'd say if I don't follow up after the second email, I'm not going to get back to you because I just, I can't. There's no way I could answer all the emails I get. So this brings us to the listener question segment of our podcast. And this week we have a question from Shannon Mustafer, who's a noted bartender and author of the book Tiki. Her question is, with the pandemic, people are spending more time reading books. What categories of books do you see resonating with the general public in the coming months and years? Oh, that's, that's a terrific question. Um, I would say a, a lot of lighthearted fiction <laughs> for the time being. I, I've already seen one pandemic set novel and you can't write a fiction book about what's going on now. It's not even over yet. Mm-hmm, it also mm-hmm. just feels too soon. Like I, I in all seriousness, I was like I can't, still can't watch a 9-11 movie or read a 9-11 book. That would just be too hard. So I can't imagine anything too serious or on point about the pandemic right now. Um, although on that note, I think dystopian and post-apocalyptic novels seem to be still surging in popularity. Uh, I did a roundup on that a couple of months ago. But I would say, actually, yeah, people are going to want something. I've read this about television, too. People are not going to want as many darker shows as television has been skewing lately. They're not going to want all these pretty TV shows. People are looking for whatever is frothy and light. A little escapism. Yeah. So we we call our podcast Hospitality Forward because we're very optimistic about our industry. So what what innovations are you seeing or hearing about or even thinking about that you think folks should be adopting to move hospitality forward? I can't even imagine right now. I think everyone's just trying to stay afloat. Um, In terms of things that I have enjoyed that have come out of the last couple months, I think the, if this is allowed to stay, I think to-go cocktails should definitely become a mainstay. And it's not just for the ease of it and just uh, how it exists, frankly, in a lot of other countries already, but restaurants and hotels and bars are, and cafes are all going to need additional revenue streams wherever they can get them, not just this year or next year, but for a long time to come. A lot of forecasts call for even just alcohol sales in general, not to rebound for at least five years. And that's that's mostly off premise. So on premise is be even worse. But so I would say to go greens having um, an easy thing to add. Also the outdoor dining installations. I mean outdoor dining. I mean we're passing through this diner on Twenty Third Street on Ninth Avenue, and they created this beautiful outdoor dining space right in front of like the restaurant and we thought oh my god it looks like a out you know european outdoor cafe yeah it looked like paris yeah 
And we were like, oh my God, we should come back here. And so I think even diners, you know, diner owners, they definitely like are paying attention to outdoor and being creative to attract the customers. And I think that's good for our community and bringing additional, um, you know, incomes to our bartenders and bar owners, but also hospitality and restaurant workers. Well, and it, it just enriches the quality of city life and it makes you wonder you know, how come we didn't have these things all along? Exactly. Well, yeah. So before you go, Rachel, when it starts to feel safe to travel again, where will your first trip be? I probably will go home to California at some point. Yeah. It's more likely that we'll be able to travel within the United States first before uh, going abroad. I've been saying for months, I'm willing to go anywhere at this point. <laughs> I really just want to get on a plane and go anywhere. But there are so many places I haven't been yet either. I know. I was looking at my miles on Delta the other day just that um, have been piled up. And now I'm like, are they, how valuable are they still? Because I think I have enough to get to New Zealand and back. Mm. So maybe when New Zealand reopens to Americans, I'll go there. It's going to be a long flight. So just be ready. <laughs> yeah. well, I, can't wait. I can't wait to get back on an airplane. I Or even just go to the airport. I miss it so much. Right? I mean, Things that we didn't appreciate before, I mean, going through the security at the airport. I mean, I miss it. I want to be there, you know, so we are with you on that. So, Rachel, it's been so great speaking with you. Where can our listener find you? Oh, the easiest way is on Twitter because I signed up when it started. So you can just find me at Rachel King on Twitter and on Instagram. Rachel King 25. I didn't sign up for Instagram soon enough. <laughs> Love it. So thanks, Rachel, and be well and stay safe, and um, we will see you around. You too. Take care. Talk about multitasking. Rachel truly wears so many hats. Now that you know what she's looking for, if you have a worthy book or story idea to share, reach out and mention that you heard her on our podcast. And of course, just remember Rachel's advice and do's and don'ts. If you learn a tip or two, then subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends and colleagues. Of course, please review us on Apple Podcasts. In our next episode, we'll interview Mark Elwood, contributing editor for Condé Nast Traveler and editor-at-large for Rob Report. He also co-hosts the podcast Bloomberg Travel Genius. Tune in to listen to this charming and well-traveled writer and learn how your stories can get his attention. See you next week. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together. Hold up. 